Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Idiothead.com morning show Tom Waits with I don't want to grow up. That's right. This is a the first part of a special thing I'm going to do to celebrate the 30 years of me doing comics. Uh, I'm going to go through my entire history of comics and every single detail. I've done these kind of things where I've talked about my past a lot and I've kind of condensed everything but now I'm going to go really deep Um, as deep as I can get on every phase of my 30 years doing this uh, and try to give you all the memories that I can recall all the motivations behind every project I've ever done and all that so hopefully you guys enjoy this uh, extra part besides the, the normal show I'll be doing a bunch of these uh, I don't know how long it'll take. We'll see. We'll see. Because this first one, I'm going to talk about everything that uh, fueled the imagination that set me up to get to drawing comics one day. So how did it all begin? How Did wh- did I just wake up one day and just start drawing comic books? No. You, you have to uh, generate the interest and uh, the imagination and get the fuel and then get turned on to something and then you you go you know i want to do that that looks like something i could do i want to do that and i'm going to do that and then you make the decision to do it so how did it happen how did i get here how am i sitting here at 46 years old with 30 years under my belt here's how so i started i was born 1978 the thing that turned me into a nerd, that set me on the path to being a nerd and drawing comics, is obviously Star Wars. You thought I was going to say Star Trek, didn't you? Well, no. To be fair, Star Wars was first in my life. My mother, I've talked about this many times, that she was a tape dubber. She and my uncle would trade tapes. And they were hungry for movies and television. And we lived out in the country, in the middle of Michigan. There was no cable TV back in the day. Uh, my parents really never took me to the movies or anything like that. My mother and I went a few times to a couple of different movies. Mostly Star Trek or Back to the Future or something. But um, <clears throat> for the most part, it was how I dissected media was either on television or via Betamax tapes that we got. We didn't even have VCR, we had Betamax tapes. And the first one I really recall her trying to show me was a movie called Star Wars. Now this must have been, I was thinking about it in my head, when was this? I was probably four years old, so that means about 1982, right? <clears throat> By then, Star Wars had already been out five years, because it came out in 77. Uh, and I don't know how they obtained a copy of it on on it must have been a rental and they taped it and i remember the first day we i watched it i was reluctant to watch it for some reason i don't know why but i finally turned around and started watching it and i'm like this is cool i love this what is this i had a slew of tapes as a kid i had a whole tape of he-man cartoons i had two tapes of looney tunes cartoons um uh, a whole bunch of tapes and even later on I would tape my own stuff cartoons Muppet Babies um, Real Ghostbusters Pee Wee's Playhouse all sorts of stuff um, 
And of course, the ones, and I've talked about this before, the two that I watched the most that my uncle dubbed for us, one had The Great Muppet Caper and Star Trek The Motion Picture, and the second one was Conan the Barbarian and Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. And this must have been 1983 by the time I started getting these, because the first movie I ever saw in the theater was Star Trek III, and that came out in 1984. And I, by then, I'd already been a Star Trek nerd for at least a year, as I recall. So, Star Wars it was first in my life, and I, of course, got all the toys. You know, not all the toys. I mean, I had a nice sampling of the action figures, and I still have some of them today. Uh... So that means I didn't see The Empire Strikes Back until Christmas of 1980, 1985. Must have been 1985. <clears throat> Which had already been out five years by that point. But I had the record sets. See, that was my YouTube back in the day. You had books on record, or books on cassette, but I had books on record. I had a record player. It was a Michael Jackson record player. I listened to it all the time. And I had a lot of uh, movies on on record. He-Man, cartoons, Looney Tunes, audio stuff, uh, of course all the Star Trek movies that were out, Star Wars and then side Star Wars journeys, all sorts of things like that. <clears throat> so all this stuff was fueling my imagination and my mother and I would go to the local bookstore sometimes, usually once a week. She had to get her magazine. She was a big magazine nut and also a reader we had a library a small library in the house she read all the time uh <clears throat> she would get her gossip rags and she's like pick out something get something to read so i would sometimes get a book but then uh i started getting star log magazine because i saw on the cover probably star wars and star trek and i had to i had to get it you know I wasn't aware of comic books yet, right? I knew who Superman was because I'd watched the movie, and I loved Superman. Superman 1 and 2, I loved them. And Superman 3 came out not too long after that, and I, we had it, and I, you know, we taped it, and I watched it, and I loved it. You know, it was, just, it was with that age where everything's awesome. You never had the critical eye of, like, oh, I don't know, this one sucks compared to the first one, you know. The, the, the cynical nature and the jadedness hadn't hit me yet. Um, but up till then, my reading was mostly, uh, you know, Judy Bloom, uh, books like Benicula. I love that. I didn't read a whole lot as a kid. I sh in hindsight, I wish I would have because I, I loved English and short stories and things in school, but I didn't, I never, outside of Star Trek books, I never like sat down and read Dune or 1984, anything like that. You know, a lot of my friends grew up being a part of the science fiction fan club, and then they read books all the time. I never did. I played with my action figures, and I drew. So how did I start drawing? Well, I like to joke that I was drawing in the womb, but, I, you know, every kid draws, right? That's, that's what you do. And when I lived out in the country, there wasn't any neighbor kids to play with, so I, would, I was on my own. I watched these movies i watched the cartoons on saturdays i watched um you know sometimes i watched things with my folks uh, whatever sitcom was going on or they'd show me comedians like george carlin or robin williams yeah i watched that kind of stuff and we'd watch movies like the terminator you know r-rated movies and stuff they said you know don't don't say that stuff in school but you know this movie's awesome let's watch it uh the only exposure I had to comics was the Sunday Funnies, right? We, we lived out in the country. We did not have newspapers locally. But Dad would get one, I think, and bring one home sometimes. And I would get it, I would get it and I'd look at the Sunday Funnies or the, or the Weekly Funnies. And then Sunday was awesome because you got big ones in color. And I read Garfield. I loved Garfield. Had a bunch of Garfield books. Uh... You know, all the cartoons. I read all of them. You know, Beetle Bailey, Hagar the Horrible, Broomhilda, Calvin and Hobbes, obviously. Um, you know, The Far Side. 
even Prince Valiant and Sally Sally Field or Sally Forth, Sally Field, like you know Sally Forth, excuse me, Sally Field's an actress. I would read everything, and I was I I never knew what these were other than they were cartoons, and I loved Looney Tunes and I loved He Man, I loved and Saturday morning cartoons. I loved cartoons, right? What kid doesn't? So the sci-fi stuff and the cartoons and the Saturday mornings was all my world, right? That was my world. And growing up in the 80s, we had tons of that stuff. I wasn't a, a G.I. Joe or Transformers or Thundercats kid, but I was aware of the stuff. And I had friends that were into it, but I, I kind of had my own thing. I, I had Star Wars, Star Trek, um, Muppet Babies, Real Ghostbusters, and Pee Wee's Playhouse, right? Pee Wee's Playhouse started, and I became a big Pee Wee fan. The movie came out. There was a, a, a stage show that was on Betamax that we taped that I watched. <clears throat> and um, and I was watching Pee-wee's Playhouse on Saturdays, right? And I loved Pee-wee. I loved Pee-wee. At one point, we went to the bookstore. And there was a magazine with Pee-wee Herman on the cover, right? And I'm like, Mom, I have to have this. It's Pee-wee, right? It was Mad Magazine. And that was my first issue of Mad Magazine. It was the Pee Wee Herman issue. I can't remember which one it was, uh, what number, but I have it. It's in my collection. Not the original one that I had, but I, I've since rebought it. I've found it again. And, you know, in that thing was a whole book of cartoons. And they were interesting. There was caricatures. Like, I fell in love with Mort Drucker doing these caricatures of <clears throat> television and movie uh, characters and, and actors like I could tell who they were I learned what caricature was I learned um, what comic strips were with uh, the lighter side um, spy versus spy Al Jaffe doing that double splash page of the Pee Wee's Playhouse I just would pour over that all the time and half the jokes I didn't get but I loved it and I got a couple different collections, like Mad Super Summer Special and Mad Mania. I loved Mad. It was great. That was maybe technically my first comic book, right? So all these things were planting seeds. I loved cartoons. I loved drawing. And every kid draws as a kid, right? I painted in school. Uh, my dad would bring home these big, giant... Uh, desk calendars, right? And huge, huge calendars. And on the other side was blank white paper. Sometimes you could even get carbon copies. You get a yellow and a, and a magenta uh, and a white. So you got three pages of, of these desktop calendars. And they were thick. You know, it was 12 pages or even more uh, for the month, uh, months of the year. And I would draw on them constantly. I was drawing Star Wars fights. I was drawing... Um, you know, mostly spaceships, because I was really into the spaceships. What got me into Star Trek was the Enterprise. I didn't know who these characters were, but I, I fell in love with the Enterprise, the ships, and I fell in love with the Millennium Falcon. That's what got me into being into these things in the first place. Um, and I've told this story many times, but I'll, I'll gloss over it here. The day I became a nerd, it was, you know, I was into the Star Wars, the Star Trek movies, and uh, my mother noticed this, and she, you know, she grew up watching the show. She grew up, she was, see, in the 60s, she would have been already uh, in her early 20s raising my, my brothers. And, you know, they all watched Star Trek, right? He was, my brother was first run watching Star Trek at 9, 10 years old. She was aware of the original series, so... She told my uncle about it, like, hey, Adam's getting into, you know, he's into Peanuts, the cartoons, and, and the car comic strips, and Garfield, and he's into uh, Star Trek. So he sent me up a box of tapes. He had a lot of the original series on Betamax tapes. And we opened this box, and it had uh, some Peanuts cartoons in it, like um, Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and I, you know, I also had Charlie Brown Records. Uh, records on tape, or records on, you know, the, the books in record on record, like I said earlier. And uh, 
this box of tapes, right? And she threw it on. She threw on one, and the first episode on it was The Naked Time. So every time I watch The Naked Time, I always remember that moment, the first time I'd seen this. I'm like, what is this? These shower curtain guys in a frozen area, and all of a sudden, cut to, hey, that thing looks like the Enterprise, but it's different. It's not as sleek, but it's, you know, old-looking. And, hey, there's that Captain Kirk guy. He looks young. His hair is different. Look at all these primary colors. Like, that's the day I came online as a geek because I was watching it, and then I watched uh, Space Seed, which was right after that, and she knew that Khan was in that episode, and I'd have to watch that to get context of who Khan was. And I'm watching these, and I'm looking at this box of adventures I'd yet to go on, right? And that was the day I became a nerd. I remember it plain as yesterday. As a matter of fact, for Pleasant Life, when I did the Morton origin story, I drew that as Morton's origin. The day he was watching cartoons and he got the box of tapes of Star Trek. So all these things were planting seeds in me, right? So... I can't remember what year it was. It must have been 1985 or 86. I would come home from school, and we didn't have cable in these days. We were out in the country. We had four channels to watch, ABC, CBS, NBC, and PBS. I would come home, and I would watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I'd watch Sesame Street, Square One, or 321 Contact. But then was another show called The Secret City with a guy named Mark Kistler, who taught kids how to draw. And later on, he went on to do another show called Draw Squad, and then he went on to do another show called The Imagination Station. Matter of fact, there is a documentary coming out uh, on disc in February of 2024 called The Secret Cities of Mark Kistler. It's a documentary about him. I'm, I've got it on pre-order on Amazon. I've got to see it day one. But it's, it's on the festival circuit, and it's making its rounds. But I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see it. That guy taught me how to draw. Because I watched a couple episodes and I've seen him doing it. And he made it look so easy. He made it look so easy. And so one day, I don't remember what day, but I must have picked up a pencil and started drawing along on those big pads of paper. Right? And I was there every day watching him, learning how to draw in 3D. He showed us shading. He showed us overlapping how to draw in 3D, foreshortening, all those things. There was seven magic art words, 22 special art words. I still have his book that I asked my parents to mail off for me. I memorized the address. I still remember the address, Secret City, Post Office Box 444, Moraga, California, 94556. How do I remember that? That was, I'm 46 years old. That was 40 years ago. I still remember that fucking address because I drilled it in my head. I had to remember it so that I would tell my parents, I have to have this thing. So they mailed off for it. It was a pad of paper, pencil and eraser, a, a member card, and a booklet. How to draw. And the, the cover is long gone and I'm missing a couple pages of it, but I have my original book. And I still have my Draw Squad club card somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I'll have to find it. So, yeah, that's how I started drawing. And in school, I started to get noticed for it, right? In school, you know, kids, when you draw a tree, they draw like a big cloudy puff for the leaves and then like a stick, uh, a rectangle for the tree trunk and then like a flat line for the, for the grass, right? Me, I was learning all these skills. And so when I drew a tree... I would do all sorts of little lines, you know, making it look like a real puffball. And I would do three of them, a big one, and then two little ones on the side, and then the tree trunk. Sometimes I'd put a hole in it with some bark around it, right, details. And I would draw little roots coming out, and I'd draw grass pumped up between the roots. And so teachers started to notice this, like, look at this guy. He, he's obviously interested in drawing. So... That's, that's what he does. I took my, my 
3D drawing of tables and whatnot and started drawing spaceships. I was really into robots and spaceships. I would draw them all the time, especially the Enterprise, of course, uh, and the Millennium Falcon. I drew the hell out of them. In school, I was teased because, you know, I was a goody two-shoes type of dude. I was bullied, you know. And then as I grew older, I got fat. I got teased for that. I got teased because I was socially awkward. I got teased for, uh, you know, just any kids can be cruel. Kids can be cruel. And then later when I developed a weird religion uh, that I was raised in, I got teased for that. Anything they could find, I would get teased for. And I was a dork. I was a dork. And I didn't have anybody growing up that was at my level of dorkdom, right? I just didn't. I was on my own. I had friends growing up. At some point, I had a, a best friend named Marcus. He would come over and spend the night. But he wasn't into that stuff. He, I tried to turn him on to it, like, like Star Trek, Star Wars. But he was more of a, a Thundercats sports guy. That's, that's where he was. But, you know, we got along. And we also loved to laugh and comedy. We watched George Carlin and Robin Williams, all that stuff. You know, we were very, very young, six, seven, eight years old. <laughs> um... But outside of him coming to spend the night every now and then, I really didn't have any friends other than myself and the things I would draw. And my mother was my friend, right? I was her buddy. We'd go to town and get the magazines. We'd, we'd uh, rent movies and dub them. We'd get toys. I had tons of toys. I had Star Wars, Star Trek toys. I had the Ertl Star Trek three figures. I had some motion picture figures. Uh... He-Man figures, Pee-wee Herman, I had all those. I had so many toys, so many toys, and books on record. I had a lot of stuff. So, what a, what a great childhood I had. I really did. So, comic strips, the drawing, the nerddom, the pop culture, sci-fi and cartoons all were behind me. But I still hadn't discovered comic books, right? I was aware of who Batman was and Superman. Of course, I, I loved the Superman Christopher Reeve movies. And there was Saturday morning cartoons. There was reruns of Super Friends and whatnot. Like, oh, wow, okay. And I was aware of who they were. Because when you're a kid, you just kind of get exposed to these things. Like, this is it, and it's awesome, so enjoy it. Scooby-Doo is awesome. Enjoy that. Any cartoon, you know. But I didn't know about comic books. Somewhere along the line, Superman had an anniversary. I want to say it was like his 50th anniversary or something. It was like 1985 or 86. And I was very interested in his anniversary, right? Superman, I love the movies. Uh... So he was the superhero I really gravitated toward. I was very interested in Superman. But still, I didn't connect that he was in comic books. Right? Only movies and TV. What started me on comic books? And I've told the story. My first comic book that I ever bought was DC Star Trek number 52. But that's not exactly accurate. To be honest with you. I didn't lie, but it is the first actual story comic book I ever bought. The first comic book I ever got was Who's Who in Star Trek Number 2. And that's basically a catalog of characters drawn by all sorts of different artists um, in an encyclopedia type of way. But it was like part number two, so it was like you know letters K through Z of known Star Trek characters in the comics and in the movies and the television show up till that point. And we give a bio of who they were, and I'm like, well, this is cool. And then in the back of the, the book would be advertisements for the next issue of Star Trek. And I remember the, the one that I saw in there was Kirk holding Spock, and he was dying, and on the, on the word said the doomsday bug, Right? I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta see what this is. So I would, I would, well, I wanted to know what happened in this story, 
because I was already turned on to books on record, right? You read the record and you look at the, the comics. That's, you know, that was part of it, but now this wasn't a record, it was just a book. I had to read the cartoon book, the comic book. So we went to the store and I got Star Trek number 52. And the cover had the Enterprise in space with a giant satanic demon or Satan himself hovering in the background like Galactus, just this giant, right? Not too long right after that, issue 51 was on the rack still, too. It was called Hell in a Handbasket, which was before number 52, obviously, which gave the context of what this is. You know, how, how are they in hell? Because that's what the story is about. It's a, some sort of a alien uh, a telepath has some sort of disease where he freaks out and turns the Enterprise into the seven layers of hell because for some reason at that point he was reading Dante's Inferno. This comic book was illustrated by Tom Sutton, Ricardo Villagran, and written by Peter David. I later um, took my copy of 51 and took it to Peter David at a convention and told him this is the first comic book I ever read and he was blown away. He's like, how old were you? I said I was nine years old and he dropped his head and he's like, well, why don't you fucking slit my wrists? <laughs> and I was like, uh, 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 he signed it. I've got it. I love that book. That's my, that's my first comic book. 52 and 51. I've got an original art page from 52. It's got a naked girl on it. It's true. There's a, a point where Kirk and uh, the crew are walking through the frozen layer of hell. And there's many of the... Enterprise crew members frozen in ice and there was, he points out this Ensign Blowmaker was her name, like look at her, She why is she here, she's frozen, like she deserves it, wake up Blowmaker, wake up that's an order, I've got that page, it's right here to my right, I can see it right here as I'm talking to you um, amazing I can own that page I think I didn't pay that much for it. Maybe 25, 50 bucks, something like that. I found it back, a back old internet thing. Now you can't get a comic, Star Trek comic page for less than 200 to $500, something like that. But anyway, that launched comic book collecting, at least Star Trek comic book collecting, because right after that was the continuation of that story, because at the end of number 52, spoiler alert, they locate Lucifer the, in, in hell, at, at the, the bottom level of hell. And Lucifer was this, this telepath who was causing it. And Spock gives him a Vulcan mind meld and gets him to stop psionically changing the, the ship into this thing. And he, comes, he becomes normal, right? Cliffhanger. There's these other characters on the Enterprise that are interacting with the regular crew we know. There's a Klingon named Konam, right, uh, who got married in a previous issue with one of the ensigns there. Memres from the cartoon is on there, hitting on Sulu. Um, and there's a character named Ensign Bearclaw. At the end of the issue, Bearclaw comes in and Kirk says, hey, listen, I was yelling at you about something, but... You know, I'm, I'm kind of rethinking my position on why I, I yelled at you about it. And before he finishes, Bearclaw takes a knife out and sticks it in Kirk's chest. And Kirk drops, and there's blood coming out of his chest. And that was the end of the issue. I learned what a cliffhanger was. I was like, what? They killed off Captain Kirk? I have to find out what happened. So I, I every day... We went to the bookmark. I was like, I, we have to go back to the bookmark. Do they, have, do they have the next issue? I have to know. I have to know. And finally it was there. There's a cover. Um, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Kirk's dead on the ground. McCoy and Spock are hovering over him. And above him is this giant blue-lined Kirk as a ghost, you know? And it said on the cover, he's dead, Jim. Or you're dead, Jim. And I'm like, oh, I couldn't get it home and read it fast enough. And of course, 
I'll spoil it for you. He lives. <laughs> he, he He's saved at the last minute. And he says, Bearclaw did this to me. I want his head on a pike. Next issue came out. Uh, Finnegan showed up. Finnegan from the original series. The guy that used to tease Kirk. And they had the big fight uh, at Vasquez Rocks, right? In the episode Shore Leave. Finnegan's there. He's an admiral. He's coming to look at why someone would murder Kirk. And I, you know, I had to find out what happened after that. I just kept going, right? I kept going. And then shortly after that, a couple more issues later, the DC Comics for Star Trek rebooted and renumbered and got new style, new art. This is around... Um, Star Trek V era, so it would be 1989 at that point. Um, but also, Next Generation was coming out, right? There was a miniseries for Next Generation. I started buying those comic books. And in the day, they, they were $1.25, nothing, you know, nothing. And Mom was happy to buy them for me because I was reading, right? Um... Let's see, this was 1989 into 1990, and those are the only comic books I had, right? I continued my Mad Magazine reading. I continued all that. Um, and, of course, my fandom evolved into other stuff. I was still a Star Wars fan. I was still a Star Trek fan, of course, but I also got into things like Mystery Science Theater 3000, which was now on cable because we moved into a place that had cable we moved to another town so from 1987 to 1991 I, we lived in shepherd michigan the first place i lived was rosebush a little village uh, just south of claire michigan the gateway to the north uh and i discovered video games i, I had an atari before that but then i discovered uh, nintendo uh, I had neighbor kids to play with now, and we played video games, we played out in the woods, we did all that stuff. The imagination kept going, and I would still take my action figures and play with them and, and, and create these adventures, right? I had characters that were me, and I would have, you know, a cast of characters, and we'd live out these adventures and whatnot. All that was fuel for what was to come. So, when I was living in Shepherd, and we were going to church full-time, there was a guy uh, who I became friends with. His name was Andy. Andy, uh, very instrumental into me getting into comic books. He was good at drawing. He could draw. And he was a little older than me. Let's see, if I was in... 7th or 8th grade he would have been like a sophomore in high school maybe even a junior he was older and he was a good looking guy he, chicks would dig him you know and I had a little crush on his sister uh, always made a point to try to talk to them at church but Andy was into comic books because everybody was getting into comic books it was the early 90's X-Men number one came out and I knew who the X-Men were because I was collecting trading cards for some reason, right? I collected baseball cards for a little while, I collected football cards, but then there was these comic book cards, uh, Marvel masterpieces, I think they were. And I had quite a few of them, not a complete set, but eh, about 40 of them. And I had characters like Iron Man, Wolverine, the Fantastic Four, blah, 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 blah. So I was learning who these characters were. Like, oh, I've heard of these characters. These are, these. Are, you know, I'm cool now, you know. X-Men number one came out. I didn't have that one, but Andy did. The first one I bought was X-Men number three. Right? And I bought it because I wanted to be cool, like Andy. And he read it with me, and he's like, whoa, Magneto dies in this. You know, you should give this to me, because that's a big issue, and he dies, and I don't know if you're going to appreciate it. And I'd like to have it for my collection. I was like, no way, man, this is mine. <laughs> that So X-Men was my first Marvel comic. 
and Andy and I uh, hung out a lot, especially when I lived in Shepherd. I was into skateboarding at the time. Uh, I, you know, I was, I was into playing in the woods with friends and action figures and video games, all this stuff. And now comic books were coming in, right? Comic books were coming in. Oh, and Nintendo Power, I started getting that magazine, and then there was cartoons, Howard and Esther, a comic strip. The Simpsons came out, was big. And I started drawing these two characters. These were technically my first characters. Uh, they were called Bud and Spike. And I draw them every now and then. I haven't drawn them in any published official capacity. But, um, you know, every now and then I'll doodle them. Because I remember them. And the one looks like Bud. He had uh, spiked up hair and no jaw, no bottom jaw. His teeth would just stick out the top. And J uh, Jerry would look like... Oh, no, Spike. I'm sorry. Bud and Jerry was a thing I did in Pleasant Life later on. Uh, his Bud and Spike. Spike had... Uh, he looked kind of like Bart Simpson, except he had Lisa's hair. Lisa Simpson's hair. And I drew, you know, the nose with the overlapping eyes and the Lisa Simpson hair. And I would draw him in shorts and a shirt and a skateboard. Right? But I never made them have word balloons or anything. I just drew them. I'm like, these are my characters. I like them. They're cool. I draw them all the time. So technically, though, that's my first comic character. But I never did anything with them. Right? Andy could draw, and he, I, I wanted to be like Andy. He was cool, right? And, uh, I just, you know, I, I was in awe of him. I wanted to be cool like him, and so I started drawing like him. But I would ne I could not do a tenth of what he could do, right? I was still drawing very, uh, amateurish, cartoony-looking stuff. It wasn't dynamic and awesome like Jim Lee or even the stuff I was reading in the Star Trek comics or even... It was more like Mad Magazine-ish, you know? Caricatures and car big cartoony heads and that sort of thing. Or even comic strips. Garfield and Peanuts. We moved to Southern Illinois where my family's from. It's a place called Carmi in 1992. I hated it down there. In 1992, I'd have been 14 years old. I hated it down there. Complete culture shock. There's no rock and roll on stations. Uh, they didn't have MTV. They had VH1, right? Everybody listened to country music. I couldn't stand country music. And so I was bored out of my mind down there. I hated it. I was a new kid in school again because I moved from Rosebush to Shepherd. I was the new kid, but then started getting friends. And then we move again. I'm now in Southern Illinois, and I'm the new kid again. I'm being teased. Uh, I had a weird accent because I was from the north. I didn't say y'all, and I wasn't racist, you know. <laughs> I hated it down there. Hated it. Luckily... Uh, we were only down there about a year and a half before we moved back to Michigan. Dad wanted to leave the oil field and go down and work with my uncle and his auto salvage. And uh, my dad wasn't making good money. He wasn't getting what he promised. So we tucked tail and moved back to Michigan, and he got his job back in the oil field. Thank God, because I hated it down there, right? So, while I was living in Carmi, I was bored. I was bored. I couldn't stand it. I wasn't really playing with action figures anymore. I was 14, going on 15. Uh, I still had them. And I was into wrestling, by the way. That's another thing I, I didn't talk about. In 1987, I got into wrestling. I had a neighbor kid I played with. His name was Ike Forker. And we he introduced me to... Uh, WrestleMania 4 was the first one we, we watched. We'd walk up to a little gas station, rent some movies, and we'd rent, we'd rent wrestling. And I started watching wrestling. So 
I was starting to learn how to draw musculature, right? We would wrestle in my basement, and I would draw posters for our wrestling event. I forgot all about this. I'm remembering this now as I, as I talk to you guys. But I, I, you know, I couldn't draw the muscles right. I always drew too many biceps and things. Oh, I don't also draw the, the belts we would win when we wrestled our pillows and each other. I drew belts and I make them out of paper plates. I made the winged eagle uh, belt, you know, and the intercontinental belt and the tag team belts. I drew them all. I, I wanted to be accurate. Uh, but anyway, back to living in Illinois. I was down there and I was bored. I hated it. I had neighbor kids I'd ride bikes with. My cousins were down there. I'd ride bikes with them. And out of boredom, I was collecting basketball cards. Basketball was big down there. The Chicago Bulls were big. I wasn't a Pistons fan. The Pistons were winning when I was living in Michigan, but I didn't like the Pistons for some reason. I liked the Bulls. Moved to Illinois, and it's all Chicago Bulls because they were doing good, and they'd won the championship, right? Uh, and I had to go collect basketball cards. And that at the time, the trading cards were hitting big. They were really taken off. There was Skybox and Fleer and Upper Deck. And I would get rookie cards like Dikembe Mutombo, Larry Johnson, blah, 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 blah. And the place I would get them is a place called Gary's Card Shop. It was on the corner downtown Carmi. The building's still there. Gary's long gone. He's probably passed away at this point. This was 1992, so... Uh, 32 years ago and he was he had to have been in his 60s at least so if he's not 90 or 100 now Gary's probably gone rest in peace Gary but I would go in there and I'd buy these trading cards right I'd get my allowance and ride my bike up there and get trading cards because whatever the fuck else was I going to do anyway one day I went in there and behind the counter, up on the wall, behind Gary, were these comic books. And they were Superman comic books. And the cover, the one that jumped out at me, was a black and white photo cover. It was a, it was a picture, a drawing of a photo. And on the photo was Superman, lying dead. And it said, Funeral for a Friend, on it, Superman. And I said, Gary, what, what's that? He's like, oh, didn't you hear? They killed off Superman in the comic books. He's not coming back. I'm like, what? They killed him off? What are you talking about? Yeah, they killed him off. He, he, he's not coming back. And I had to know what happened, right? Because I had already gotten the bug for uh, story, serialized storytelling from the Star Trek comics, right? And so I had to find those issues. There was no comic shop. In Carma, Illinois. There's the spinner racks at gas stations sometimes. You see, they don't do that anymore. But see, kids, when I was a kid, they would have comic books in all the, the stores and little spinner racks. I went to, it was a local gas station called Huck's, and in there was a spinner rack, and they had comic books. And one of them was a trade paperback collection of The Death of Superman. Now, I thought this was the actual comic book, and it was worth money, so I had to buy it. It was $9.99, I think. Maybe even my mother bought it for me. I can't remember. But I still have the actual one I bought. It's over there on my shelf. And I read it cover to cover, and I didn't know who half the characters were. I didn't know who the Justice League or Justice Society was. I didn't know who Doomsday was. All I knew was Lois and Clark and Jimmy Olsen from the movies, right? You know, I should also preface this and say 1989, the Batman movie came out. So I became very aware of who Batman was as a result. And also, Nick at Night, Nickelodeon would play vintage Batman, Adam West, and they would play Adventures of Superman with George Reeves, and I watched those too. So I was into DC more than anything. Uh, cut back to me getting that Superman comic. 
And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm now reading comic books. I went back to that spinner rack, and there was a magazine in there called Wizard, The Guide to Comics. Well, cool. I'll start getting these, and I'll start learning about comic books. The first one I bought was number 18. It had Spider-Man and Venom on the cover. I still have that issue. And I was reading it cover to cover, everything. I wanted to know who all these characters were, who Stan Lee was, everything. And then all of a sudden I started reading about image comic books, Spawn, Youngblood, all this stuff. In the card shop, Gary had started to uh, sell non-sports cards. He had Youngblood. I bought packs of Youngblood cards. I didn't know, I didn't read the comic book, but I had the cards. And I would read up on, on the cards. I just wanted, I was thirsty for anything comic books, right? But I felt like things like the Avengers or even X-Men was too, there was too much history there. I couldn't keep up with it. So I just stuck with Superman. And plus, I had to find out what happened. How did he die? Is he going to come back? What's the world without Superman going to be like? I had them all. I collected them all. I was now a hardcore comic collector. Also, at this point, in school, my art continued. My evolution of art continued. Um, down in Illinois, I was drawing cartoons and drawing uh, spaceships like I always did. And kids wouldn't tease me about it. You know, they would tease me about everything else, but when it came to anything creative, they left me alone because they knew that was my gig. Right? So I found my lane. That's my lane. I, I stay in the art world and I don't get teased. That's where I go. And reading the comic books, I wanted to start drawing that. I wanted to draw superheroes. And I entered freshman high school year, and I got teased a lot. At one point, I tried to play basketball during the, uh, uh, the lunch hour. And there was this one kid who would always bully me, and he punched me in the nose one day. And I was like, well, fuck that. I can't go play basketball now because he's always going to be there. He's going to fuck with me. So I would just walk around or I'd sit in a classroom and I'd read or doodle. Especially in home ec, I would draw. Uh, or not home ec, sorry. Uh, uh, what do you call that? When in study hall, study room, uh, there was like a, an hour where we just kind of sat and quiet and studied. Study hall, I think it was called. I remember this day vividly. I had some bunch of typing paper on me, and I drew this superhero character called Quasis, Legion of Truth. The story was he was an astronaut that went into space and uh, was going to land on an asteroid and encountered some weird cosmic whatever, and it changed his body, and he had the powers of a quasar which was basically, he was Superman. He had a cape, he had a big Q with a lightning bolt through his front, and he had long hair, and a mullet, basically, because he didn't know how to draw long hair. So did Lucas later on, but we'll get to that. And not only did I come up with Quasis, I started coming up with other characters. Like I had to draw a ghost-looking character. He was called the Shadow Avenger. And reading, um, looking at the Youngblood cards, I'd seen how, you know, they were like military, big muscled guys. I drew a guy who had a bunch of guns and his shoulder pads. He was called Backgammon. <laughs> right? Like the game. Yes. And I had a couple other ones. I can't remember what they were. But all the while, you know, I was walking around during the lunch hour in high school. Didn't have any friends. Didn't have anything. There was this one area by the gym where this one guy in my art class, he was a junior and I was a freshman. And he was a good artist in the art room. His name was Jason Elam. 
And he would always kind of hold court up there. He'd sit up there and talk with his buddies about nerd shit, about TV. I remember him talking about the Seinfeld episode one day. That was my first exposure to Seinfeld. And um, I would just start going over by them and hanging out with them and talking with them, right? Because I wanted to be cool like they were. And they weren't cool. They were nerds. But (laughs) I wanted to be at their level. Finally, one day, I went up to Jason and I said, Hey, man. I know you draw. You're into these superheroes and drawing anatomy, and you're good at it. Can you show me how to do that? And so he started to show me what, you know, eight heads tall was. He showed me what bicep goes into what. He showed me, you know, how to draw the torso, how to draw feet. My feet were very duck duck feet, you know. If, I, if you ever see the original drawing of Quasis, which I've done in a sketchbook, you can see what I'd, what I'd done. And uh, poor Jason, I looked him up years later. He died somehow. I want to say it was a suicide. Or he got some disease and died very, very young. I want to say 15 years ago he died. I could look it up. But without Jason, there's no me today. Without Andy, there's no me today. Without Pee Wee Herman. There is no me. Without Star Trek and Star Wars, there is no me right now as I sit here talking to you, reflecting on 30 years of this journey. 1993, early on, we moved back to Michigan. Thank God. So I came back with this knowledge of loving Superman and starting to learn how to draw superhero characters, collecting Wizard Magazine, and, of course, you know, we moved back in the same area, Mount Pleasant, Michigan area, which was, you know, near Rosebush, near Shepherd, Mount Pleasant's between those two places. And, of course, I went to Mount Pleasant High School for about two weeks, and I was the new kid. I got picked on. Before they realized, I was out of the school district. I belonged in the Beale City High School school district. So, once again, I was the new kid going to high school in Beale City. A little small village, maybe 30 or 40 people in my graduating class, K through 12, one building. And everybody was a farmer, right? I remember the first day I went to school, they didn't have anything for me to do in a certain class. So they're just like, well, we'll just put you in this FHA class, farmers, whatever, and we'll just give you credit for being there, you know. And the first day I get in there and they're handing out sheets of cows, and I had to judge cows, like their their teats, their ass, everything. You know, <laughs> that's what I was doing. And again, I had no friends, but I had an art class, and I was drawing in it. And I already by that point had been evolving. I've been drawing from other comics, uh, and the teacher would look at my stuff and say, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah, okay. Um, She's like, well, there's not much I can teach you. Just, you know, hang out here and just draw along with us. Because they mostly did construction shit, but I would do it quickly, and I would get back to drawing what I wanted to draw, which was superhero stuff, right? And I continued reading Superman... Because at this point, I discovered my first comic book store. There, a comic book store opened up in Mount Pleasant, Michigan called Number One Comics. And it was right by a place called New Moon Records, which would be in Pleasant Life later on. The comic, my comic, Pleasant Life. And where Number One Comics is now is a, uh, uh, it's a Jimmy John's sub sandwich place. But every time I'm in Mount Pleasant, I see the place. I'm like, oh yeah, that's where... Uh, that was and again every time I'm in Carmi I always drive by Gary's card shop even though it's been closed for over 30 years I give a nod to Gary and that memory of how that launched my interest in comics hooked back up with Andy you know my old friends again went to church with him and by then Andy was heavy into comics he was still reading all that stuff and how fertile it was because 
image was big, right? I started to read something called Spawn. The first issue I bought was issue 7. Uh, and I had to go back and get all of them. I went to Walmart and there was a five pack of the first five issues of Spawn plus a VHS tape of Todd McFarlane's Facts and Illusions. You can look it up on YouTube. And at the end it shows him drawing how to draw capes and then it goes into his studio and it shows him drawing a full page of comic art on 11 by 17 paper in a 10 by 15 row window. And I'm like, oh, so that's how you draw. That's how you draw comics. That's proper comics. So I still didn't get that board, but I got huge pieces of paper, right? Bristol board, uh, 11 by 17, and I started drawing comics, comic books. I had to come up with a superhero character, right? I needed my own character. And Andy and I were coming up with our own stuff. He would draw this Eon Flux character, a ripoff called The Matrix. Matrix was her name. This was before the movie The Matrix. This is 1994. 93, 94. This has been 1993. Early 94. <laughs> um, which leads me into the, the beginning of the 30-year journey. So, to wrap up this part, this is what I'll say. I was heavy collecting the comics... Image was big at the time. Superman was big at the time. Uh, I was reading Wizard on the regular. I was still into Star Trek. I was still into Star Wars. Uh, but there was none of that new stuff. It was all new comic books, and it was fertile because comic books were huge at the time. Huge. And I had my own comic store I could go to now. And my friend Andy was 16, 17 years old, and he drove a Ford Mustang, which was cool. And he, we got to drive around town, and we'd go get comics. We'd go to Number One Comics. There was also another place that would sell indie comics. And I remember early issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were in there. I wish I would have bought some of those in hindsight, but I was aware of them. I also was into the Ninja Turtles as a kid, by the way. That was one of the cartoons I got into in 1988 when I lived in Shepherd, And I would draw Ninja Turtles as well. So there it all is, Right? I'm into all this stuff, and I'm now seeing Todd McFarlane draw a spawn page or showing off what a, what an original piece of comic art looked like. And I had Wizard Magazine showed behind-the-scenes stuff of people drawing pages. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. All this woken up in me, like, this is it. I love movies. I love television. I love cartoons. I love stories I could draw comic books and it's a movie that doesn't move right I could write characters and tell stories with comic books and I I looked at it and I said I can do that I could draw everything in my life was leading up to that this is the way I'm supposed to go I'm not good at anything else. I suck at math. I'm horrible at sports. I'm teased. But whenever I can draw, people leave me alone. This is what I'm meant to do. So, I created a character. And I started drawing his adventures. And that character's name was Darkness. And right there, I will stop the story, and we will continue on with part two after this. And I want to thank you guys for listening. This was an hour-long, <laughs> early years, and we've packed a lot of my history in. We packed my first 14 to 15 years of life. No, six, 15 to 16 years old, old when uh, we're ending this, right at the beginning of this 30-year journey and my first characters darkness thank you again for listening we're going to continue on next part we're going to get into what darkness was uh, is he related to the image comics darkness character uh, how i got into publishing for the first time seeing my stuff in print we're going to go through all of it and uh and more so again thanks a lot for listening peace and love 
Take care, friends. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.